Oaths Hermes podcast. Welcome to the world of the Western esoteric tradition. Friends and listeners, I am excited that Thos Hermes is now starting into its fourth season. Today is January the 5th, 2020, and this is therefore episode one of this new season four. My name is Rudolf and I am your host. If you are a new listener here, let me give you a warm welcome. This podcast comes to you out of Central Europe. I am based in Austria, near its capital Vienna, a place where a lot of occult, hermetical and magical practices found their origins many centuries ago. Those of you who have been with us for a longer time, welcome back. Thanks for being regulars. You must have realized by now that Thos Hermes wants to present a wide field of practitioners, authors and other interesting people from all kinds of practices of the Western esoteric tradition. Note that we have slightly changed the subtitle to this podcast to the world of the Western esoteric tradition. We have now added the words occult, mysticism, magic, paranormal. And with that, we would like to show how broad we see and will treat the topics and talk about. Yes, such a new season always brings slight changes, but no worries. The core of what Thos Hermes is will remain unchanged. I just thought that you should not need to think any longer if the next episode is a so-called regular one with a long interview at its core, or if it is an ex libris episode where we present books and events, or a special episode, or maybe even a new format. Until now, those seasons only consisted of regular episodes and all the other stuff was extra. And that will now be different with the season starting today. We are aiming now at presenting a new episode every Sunday, that's every week. And each season will consist of 24 episodes, so 24 weeks. I hope we will keep up to that speed. If one week or the other we will have to take a break, I will let you know, but I hope that won't be too often. And in those 24 episodes, there will be regular interview episodes, but also Ex Libris once in a while. And also, and this is new, round tables or features on specific topics. And from time to time, we will also be doing a video episode where the interview will not only be on audio, but also on video. Of course, for those of you that, who only want to listen to audio, that will always be possible. So, brace for even more and more diversified content and enjoy. To make it easier for you to identify your favorite episode, they now will also get all titles. 
in addition to the name of the guest. So today's guest is Russian-born author and witch Natasha Helvin. Our talk is based on two books she recently published, Slavic Witchcraft and Russian Black Magic. And so this episode today is called From Russia with Magic. Yes, a bit cheeky, I know. Please forgive me. What has not changed is where you can listen to our podcast. As usual, on the website www.thoughtshermes.com, that is T H O T H E R M E S.com. But of course, as always, also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, etc., etc. Every week, new outlets are added without me even noticing. And there is YouTube for those of you who will like to use that channel. For the moment, that's only audio, of course, but an increasing number of uh, audience is also going there. On the website, you can contact me through voicemail or on the contact page, but there's, of course, also Facebook and Twitter where you can leave messages for me. And there is always good old email on info at thoughtshermes.com. Please make large use of that. I love to hear your comments, criticisms, ideas, and of course, your praise. What I learned from those podcasts when I started to listen to them myself was also that even though it might sometimes be a bit annoying to the listeners, you need to raise money to do a good job with your podcast. So please, let me also use this opportunity to once again ask you for your support. To produce a podcast, that costs money. And for the moment, I have always carried that burden myself, just helped by a couple of Patreon members. But I need to ask you again to support this venture. Otherwise, there might come the point where I will have to think about or reduce my productivity. On Patreon, you can become a supporter already at $2 per episode, and only a maximum of three episodes a month will be charged. So from $6 a month, you are part of it. Of course, there are also higher tiers, but that is where it starts, and every single dollar is appreciated. So please, go to www.patreon.com slash thpodcast. TH podcast and join. If you rather prefer to do a one-off donation, then please go to thoughtshermes.com and click on the donate button. Thank you so much. Much appreciated and needed. Okay, guys, let's get started with that season now. And we will do that with some music, of course, uh, fit to that Russian topic we're going to talk about today. Famous Russian composer Pyotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky, he did not only write symphonies, operas and sonatcracker, but from time to time very fine sacred music. And there he often used the style so typical for his home country, making his work sound like traditional Orthodox church music. What we're going to hear now is a beautiful piece called Hymn of the Cherubim, from his liturgy of St. John Chrysostomus. 
At the time Tchaikovsky wrote this piece in 1878, the prospect of setting any church music was fraught with issues. The Imperial Chapel held the monopoly on the composition and performance of sacred music and all approval had to be granted by the director of that chapel. So this work we're going to hear was in the beginning banned, even seen as blasphemy, because it had been published without the approval of the chapel. Seems incredible when you listen to it today. Why I'm telling you all this? Well, because this fact of banning and talking about blasphemy has a straight link to what Natasha Helwin will have to say about witchcraft and magic in relation to Christianity in the Russian context during the interview. So this piece is a bit over seven minutes long, but please don't fast forward. It's such a beautiful piece and so beautifully sung by the chorus of the USSR Ministry of Culture Chamber Choir. Let yourself fall into that music. Maybe do a little meditation on it if you want and just enjoy. I will be back right after this piece. Tchaikovsky's hymn of the Cherubim.
I really find this music and the singing wonderful. I hope you liked it too. So let's now go to the interview with Natasha. I won't tell you too much about it before because I think it's rather self-explaining. Natasha was born in a village of rural Russia and passed her first 18 years there. She will tell us more about that and about that this and her family background, which has deeply rooted her in her traditional craft. But beyond that, she's also a very open and international person with a lot of experiences she made since then. And today she lives in the Pacific Northwest of the United States. She's a fascinating personality. In her books, but especially also in this talk, we learn about that very particular aspect of Slavic, uh, or more to say East Slavic, approach to witchcraft and magic. This is interesting and dark, and there are many things we haven't heard about it about at all in our part of the world. So I hope you will really like this talk. As usual, we will be taking a short musical break after about half an hour into the interview. But now, let's go and join Natasha Helvin. Here comes the interview. I am very happy to open this season number four of the Thoth Hermit podcast with some very exciting guests, Natasha Helvin. Natasha, who is joining us from the far northwest of the United States today. Natasha, um, I say good evening. It's evening here in Europe, but I think it's around noon in where you are now and on the West Coast. Hello there. Hi, hi. Yes, it is noon. <laughs> Great. It's great to have you. And um, it's also great that we will talk today, um, well, basically uh, about two books that you released lately um, on the topic, which I find really exciting. Uh, the name of the two books is the first is called Slavic Witchcraft and the second is called Russian Black Magic. And already by their titles and of course, also a bit by your name, our audience can guess that we are going to talk about the Eastern Slavic type of magic. And this is a subject that I must say, um, even though I've been around for a while and have been working in that field for quite some time, and, and I live in Europe, um, I honestly haven't learned much, especially not about actual or of the last 50 years, what happened uh, there and what happens today and what is the tradition there today. Um, so it will be an exciting talk, I hope, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, first of all, for having me at your podcast and giving me this opportunity to speak about my tradition and who I am and what I'm talking about in my books. Sure, exactly. No, you, you said it. Um, I think we should first start talking about yourself. I usually do that in those interviews and I find it always very interesting not only to know um, where you come from and all that, of course, that's part of it, but also where do you come from in the work you do speaking about magic and witchcraft? What's your background in that? But of course, that is linked to your personal background as well. So. I'm asking you, Natasha, uh, what made you what you are today? Where 
did it all start for you? And uh, I guess from what I know from your website, there's already quite a family tradition in that field, isn't it? Yes, correct. Uh, I was actually, I'm working on my third book, which is called Being Born on Interfamily of Witches. So uh, my sister and I, we were born in our mother and basically on both lines, which uh, witches side. So my mother was uh, practicing witchcraft, my grandmother, mother's side practicing witchcraft, another four generation and known to us. And my father's side as well. So his mother and we actually don't know about his side very deep, but uh, his mother is the one who was practicing the black magic in about which I'm talk- talking about in my, fir- uh, in my second book. So being born in family of witches, it was, I mean, it was just a normal life for us. We didn't know anything better. Uh, we didn't know that there is something different than that. We simply was raised by it. We, we wake up by it. We went to bed by it. For somebody, it called maybe superstitions, you know, like everyday life. Or example, like you need to get up from this uh, side of the bed and you need to do these things. Uh, is like superstition, but this is just the way we lived. We had to do those things because we enjoyed them. It, like I say, we didn't know anything better. We see our mother practicing witchcraft. We see our grandmother practicing witchcraft. As far uh, as long as I remember myself, I mean, even when I was young, like a few months old, my sister told me that she remembered like all these old ladies came to perform ritual on me. Uh, because they, they're supposed to... In family of witches, there always are girls born. If their boy is born, they're going to be a problem. But when girl is born, so they're supposed to be ritual at specific age, months of the baby, so you take, you take the power off. But, I mean, all my life, all my life, it was... My first seance was at seven year old with my mother. It was fun for us. It wasn't scary. There was no such kind of like protection. We need to put protection. We need call. We need to do this. It, it was like, like every day, you know, let's have fun. So, it, it kind of, yeah, there was a girl like this, the first seance, there was a girl that was poisoned and she died. The girl that lived two houses over. So my mother was curious if she poisoned herself, if it was suicide or she was killed. So she offered to us, me, myself, seven year old and my sister, which was three years old, uh, older, to do seance, to call to the spirit to ask. So it was like normal. So she offered her kids to do things. It was normal for us, like on holidays. And I explained that in my first book, I give some examples that all this church holidays for us, because in Russia, pagan uh, holidays and church holidays, they are mixed up because church had to accept pagan uh, pagan holidays. They, they had no choice because the, the uh, baptism of Russia it uh, lasted for for years, for centuries. Uh, so they had to do it. It was illegal to be a Christian until I don't know, probably in the 1980s. 
Yeah, sure. Well, I, I was going to come to that. Um, may, may I ask you that question now? Yes, because, of course. Um, of course, the time uh, that you were mentioning, so you were born in Russia, we got that. But I think it was a, a tiny village. It was not a city. It was a small place, right? Oh, yeah. It was a very tiny village. I think it was about 3,000 population and it mm -hmm. was all farms. Myself, my mother had a big farm, too. Well, mm -hmm. big farm, big farm for the city, the size yeah, of city. Sure, but sure. yeah, we were surrounded by forest, rivers. It was, right. I mean, it's very what, rural. What, what part of Russia uh, approximately is that? Actually, uh, today there is a part of where uh, war is. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Is I think it's West, West Ukraine. West Ukraine, right, right. Yes, yeah. that's the part mm -hmm. where I... Uh, right. It, But at the time, and that's where I was going to come uh, to, is it was the Soviet Union when you were it born was. there and when you were a child. So, um, as you just said, being Christian at the time was forbidden or a bit dangerous, I guess. You, you can explain that to us. But um, I was surprised to read in your biography that this witchcraft tradition um, seemed to be very strong in that place that you were. How, how did that go down with the authorities at the time? How did that work out? Well, uh, witchcraft is very powerful until today in rural parts of Ukraine or Russia. In cities, I think people is more, are more modern, uh, but in rural areas, they are still, I mean, you can see like this Baba Yaga, <laughs> the, 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 yeah, you can see something like that, like literally, there are, there are, they, they, and back then, my father, he was, uh, he was a cop uh, for all his life, so uh, he, It was forbidden to be a Christian. It was forbidden to baptize your kids. If somebody will knew, he could lose a job or something like that. I mean, it was crazy. So, but witchcraft, witchcraft, they didn't consider, maybe they just people in small towns, they don't consider that witch is something bad. Because uh, witchcraft from Russian is translating literally like female knows how to cure, how to treat. So people actually come into to my mother, like gypsies. We had small like town of gypsies. So they come into my mother to do work for better sell cows or meats or exchange cows. They, they exchange this cow that was old for the new ones, but they wanted better deals. So they come into my mother. So she did ritual mm -hmm. for them. I mean, even gypsies, it was, it was okay. Yeah. So it was very practical witchcraft actually. Yes, yes. Uh, where is my father's mother from? There is a small village. They call it uh, witch village. Uh, people actually was afraid to go there because they considered that those witches, they were practicing black magic. And, but everyone knew that is there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everyone just let it happen. Oh, yeah, if you're not Christian, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, fine. And, and I have another question. I don't want to interrupt you, but and we are going to continue on that. But um, you, if I got it right, when you talked about your father and your father's side briefly, not now, but just before, um, he, you said this was another matter. because, And also, when a boy was born, it was not good, it was dangerous. So explain a bit, what was that relation... Uh, were there or are there also um, male witches or magicians or what would you call them? And, and if, if so, 
what's the what's the difference? What's the matter with that? Well, I, first of all, I want to make sure we understand what we're talking about. We're talking about ancestral witchcraft. Ancestral. If your mother in your generations had your all witches, and you always have girls, but when boys born, they there are always two things can happen. Boy should have a ritual at his seven year old, a special ritual. But that in case if mother won't go crazy because she, like literally mother, she become mentally ill if boy, if boy is born. If she's a witch and she made a boy, she will become mentally ill or boy will die. If those two things won't happen, there should be special ritual at seven year old when boy receives seven years, seven months, seven days. Mm-hmm. There should be special ritual. Very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Didn't didn't know about that at all. Right, but I interrupted you before. So uh, you were talking about that village and uh, so where you grew up and you had that first experience at age seven. And and then what what happened then? What 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 was your path from there? Well, when I was a kid, first of all, it was a lot of fun. I remember my childhood. I think I could wish for anything better. We had this farm. We spent a lot of time with my sister in forests, uh, rivers, uh, fields. Uh, because uh, we had this farm, so cows, goats, we, we, we was kind of shepherds with my sister. So we had to leave in the morning and return at night. But watching just cows, it wasn't just that. So we we went to forest. We, my, my mother teaches us the herbs that we need to pick up, how we can use them, mushrooms, which are, are a door to work with mushrooms, all kind of different mushrooms. Uh, trees, leaves, everything. She teaches us every single day. The the way she teaches us, it was not just this is uh, this tree. It was, she was talking like about person, something alive, not just a tree. So uh, we say that forest, we call it papa, or you know what I mean? It, It was everything personalized everything it was alive everything you could talk to you could if i don't know if somebody heard about witches they called whisperers that's what uh, i i've heard about it maybe you could you could explain it in two words to, to our audience this is by that it's when you talk to to things let's say you're doing some kind of work and you whisper to to the jar, let's say you have some kind of items in your jar and you're doing some kind of work, so you talk to it, you whisper to it, those witches, or you see some lady, let's say somebody passed by you and you want to curse her and you start this whispering under your nose, those words, special spell or chanting, chanting, you chant. So this is uh, whisperers. That, this was my mother, my grandmother, and I love to do that. I mean... I yeah. think this is very, very <laughs> <laughs> interesting. And and so it's a very, actually, it's a very nature-based type of witchcraft and paganism that is very close to the elements and to, 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 to nature and, and, and to ancestry, as you said. So 
yes, but, uh, but since it was normal for us to call upon dead spirits, for us to call upon deaths is, is something normal. And my father's side, uh, his mother, she was practicing black magic. So it was blasphemy. It was... Uh, in my second book, I explain... Yeah, we'll we'll come to that in a minute. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Let's not give that away yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and so you, but you basically you stayed in that place until you were about eighteen, I believe, right? Yeah, uh, until eighteen year old. When I was eighteen year old, I left. I went to meet my aunt and my sister then in Greece. So I lived in Greece uh, on island for over 14 years. And your aunt, was she also part of that ancestry uh, related to witchcraft or was she strange to that? Uh, she was part of the family, but she did yeah. not practice in witchcraft, no. Okay. She, mm -hmm. But she knew, she just didn't want to deal with it. Some people just have closed minds. Yeah, sure, sure. But, but in, did you continue to practice it while you were in Greece those 14 years? Yes, yes. I, yeah. you, can, you can stop, you know, if you learn... Sure. If you raised with certain way, you can just stop one day. Of course. Of Until course. today, uh, yeah, I never stopped. I mean, hmm. you, you just cannot remove that from you, from inside you. No, somebody you? asked me. Yeah. Somebody asked me when you came to United States, did it, how did it change you? And I say it never changed me. It did change my husband. <laughs> 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 he doesn't take garbage outside after sun goes down because it's considered bad luck. If we won't have money right. inside the house, he can do certain things. He respects that, and he right. he, he does it. I mean, uh, well, it didn't good. change me. Yeah, but, but um, so you were 14 years then in, in, in Greece, you said, and, um, and then you moved on to the United States, is that it? Yes, I moved to the United States in 2010 and uh, 2010, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, we say <laughs> good witch, you can say that she's a good witch when she's lucky in her life, if everything goes well for her. Yeah. Uh, somebody yeah. is like it's like if somebody is very poor and pity and it claims that uh, he does magic. Uh, what kind of magic do you do if you can help yourself? It is like walk into the gym and ask a suggestion from overweight uh, personal trainer. You don't want to look like him, right? Why would you ask <laughs> help from him? So I believe yeah, sure. that my life I I travel the world. I I, I'm married, I'm happy, I have everything I need in my life, and I mm. believe that my spirit is taking care of me. Yeah, very good. Good for you. Good for you. Great. Um, I have lots of questions coming out of that, what we have heard so far, but I now need to put them a bit in context, maybe always also with the book. So you arrived in the United States, you, you got married in the United States, if I get that right, mm -hmm. and uh, you live on the West Coast, I believe now. Yes. Um, and um, so let's now maybe start talking a bit about that first book, The Slavic Witchcraft, because I have then a question which comes out of that book, uh, but which relates to your uh, life today. And I would like to link that. Um, so Slavic Witchcraft, as the title says, what 
is it that makes it so special? Um, you mentioned the relationship between paganism and Christianity. Now I'm talking the time also before the Soviet Union, of course, the history of that. And um, so what makes it in your eyes, you have the experience, you have practice with that. What makes it special and maybe different from the type of witchcraft you meet in in the West or in maybe in the Anglo-Saxon countries? I believe that it doesn't make it special, but maybe different. Different because I explain how Christianity affected, uh, how paganism affects Christianity, I would say, and how this new tradition was born. Because Russian people, they are dual beliefs people they don't they, they are not 100 christians some people they they celebrate holy days without understanding what that really means well that that's everywhere but people do believe yes people do do have double beliefs it's like I, I could compare it to haitian voodoo when they pray into the same picture but they pray to somebody else. They know who they're praying to, but they need to it's like cover up. This is, this is how. And, and do you, do you think that is stronger in, in Russia, in the Slavic world than it is elsewhere? Or is it that different? It is different. I wouldn't say that something is stronger than something else, because after all, when you do something, when you do witchcraft, when you do this act, this is your energy. This is who you are. It's how strong you are, how strong you believe what you do. There is, uh, I don't believe that there is power behind specific tradition. There is power mm. behind you personally. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, very true, very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter where you're from. I just yeah. believe that Slavic witchcraft, because it's, um, it depends on Christianity and with its pagan roots, it makes, this mix that it, it makes, it, 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 makes, it makes it very creative, I would say, in magical meaning. So it's like you have unlimited, unlimited possibilities. Right, right. Now, but um, is the the magical and the witchcraft tradition that we are talking about here, isn't it older than Christianity in that part of the world? I mean, yes, the Russian Orthodox Church came into that part where you are from, um, basically around the same time that the, the Kingdom of Rus, I think, was founded there. So it must be about the same time. But was there anything related to witchcraft not also before that? Do you know about that? Look, the witchcraft we talk, I'm talking about in my books, it, it, I, I talk about witchcraft after Christianity. Okay. Because so the all, witchcraft... It's all after Christianity. Yes, yes. The, the witchcraft, that's why it's a little bit confusing for some people, talk about Slavic because uh, it probably should be called East Slavs. Yeah. Uh, or, yeah. yeah, probably, more, most accurate, but... 
Yeah, because otherwise, it, it's of course, I, well, that's another question I had. It's not related to Serbia or the South Slav or, 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 or other, no, other no. parts of the Slavic world, right? Well, I, I offer a lot of titles, but the one that was chosen, it was these titles. Sure. <laughs> well, titles also have to be short and, and exactly. <laughs> yes. Right. And, and that part is, of course, very... Well, it is the Russian Orthodox Church that represents Christianity there. Now, I hear I, I, I grew up in the tradition. I'm surrounded. I'm not practicing myself, but I'm surrounded by Catholic and Protestant um, Christianism, which is rather different from Orthodox Christ, uh, Christianity. And uh -huh. um, does the fact uh, of Orthodox Christianity have an influence on the type of witchcraft that it allowed or cre even created? Is there any influence on that? Uh, to today's magic in, in Russia and Ukraine is uh, entirely depends on Christianity. And that's where it makes it uh, probably more powerful. If you ask myself, I believe that Christianity, Orthodox or Catholic Church, uh, this is the... the the very powerful ceremonial magic to me. It is ceremonial magic. It, it, it's itself. If you if you watching to perform a mass in a church, just remove the, the, the music you, you used to hear that is good because they say it's good and you will see mm. ceremonial magic. No, I they, agree. I agree, absolutely. I mean, they <laughs> they presented to four directions like we're supposed to do in witchcraft. They, they use fire, they use air, they, they use earth and everything else. I mean, so when you mix pagan, pagan magic and Christian magic together, this is what make you feel more powerful. And when you feel more powerful, you perform more powerful ritual. Right, right. And I, I get the impression, but correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't have the experience I've just seen from the outside. I get the impression that the Orthodox churches uh, are much, still much more ritualistic and more symbolic than, yes. than the Western church, let's put it that way. Yes, yes. Yeah, would you agree? Yeah. Mm. Yes. And yeah. in, my, in my second magic, uh, in my second book, I talk about this black mm. magic, which is uh, mm. entirely, entirely depends on the Christianity. So yeah. what yeah. makes is strong, I explained there that there was... Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll get there in a moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, let's stay with Slavic witchcraft because you just said something. And when I read that in your book, after having read your biography, I, it really puzzled me. And I think that is extremely interesting. And I would like you to explain that a bit more to us. Um, you also just mentioned it yourself. You mentioned Haitian voodoo. And um, if I understand your biography well on your website, you are also nowadays a practitioner of, of that type of magic, right? Yes, correct. Right. And in your book, you're, you're talking about that. You're saying that somehow you get the impression uh, that uh, magic in Russia, the type of magic that you're talking in this book, Slavic magic, um, or Slavic witchcraft, is by its nature, that relation to Christianity, that... Um, integrating of nature and and ancestry especially into ritual um, it makes it very much 
maybe alike. similar or alike, yes, alike uh, to voodoo. Can you expand a bit more and explain to you exactly what, what you mean? I find that fascinating and interesting. It is, it is. When I just uh, start familiar, familiarize myself with Haitian voodoo, it was, I was very impressed. Uh, first of all, I don't agree with some of dogmas of Haitian voodoo, but this is, yeah, that's not our concern right now. Uh, voodoo, Haitian voodoo and uh, Russian witchcraft, they are very much alike in meaning of working with the dead. We working with the dead exactly the same way. I was shocked when I see that. You can make that person work for you. You can trap soul of that person. Like in Haiti, they do that in special item, like Govi, they call it. It can be some kind of clay pot. So that's why they trap the soul of the dead person and make him work for you. In Russia, you can do that without pot, but you can put the dead person in some other item. It's very, very much alike. Uh, we're working on the cemeteries in Russian witchcraft is 90% of work we do is cemetery. We're working with the dead people. So Haitian voodoo is the same way. The huge part of Haitian voodoo is over 90% is, is ancestors are dead people. They work with the dead, with the spirits. So they honor their ancestors. First of all, they say we, we honor our ancestors and after spirits spirits who they're going for help. So this is number one, the foundation of Asian Wudu is to honor your ancestors. The same exactly exists for Russian witchcraft. We, we need protection, we need help. First of all, we honor our spirits, our, our ancestors, we stand on them and after everything else. So if, if, if you're doing witchcraft, you... You need to balance a lot of things. Without help of your ancestors, it's hard to do. Like you deal with all kinds of things, good things, bad things, they should be balanced. So you need to balance that. You need to make sure you won't get sick. All that is, we consider as ancestral, ancestral uh, health. So you need to be protected by your ancestors. Nobody can protect you if you're not your own blood. So ancestor is a huge thing. The other thing I find out that I give that this example and it's the only example like can come fast on my mind is like my mother, she used to use human skin to keep, uh, there's one lady that she losing her husband here, like to go with other females and she was losing him, but she wanted to keep the family together. So my mother used her skin to keep him under her toes under her, her heels so she used the skin from the uh, feet and you know this dry skin we have on our feet so she used the skin uh, the same exactly spell work I see in Haiti lady performing that on another lady and when I see that I like oh my god seriously I mean my mother didn't do voodoo she has no idea she never see black men in her eye the first time she see black men when I was already in Greece and I returned back and the lady married black men and everyone came outside to, to look at this guy what is, what is with his skin, you know, why he black. But, and yet she performed the same ritual that Haitian voodoo people perform in that. And that's why I'm saying I don't think that witchcraft has identity or nationality. It can be 
somebody in Malaysia can do same spell that they do in in Louisiana, United States. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I understand exactly what you mean. Um, I, I come to that in a second. Just do you have an explanation why voodoo and your tradition have those similarities? What's your explanation to it? I believe because it's a dual faith nation as well, because okay. Haitian voodoo, they're Catholic and voodoo is sound together so mm-hmm. they don't they, they you know what they say they say 100 of haiti are catholic and 110 are voodooist <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're going to church they play yeah. they, they pray they do mess but none mm-hmm. of them praying to the saint that pop called them for you know the, yeah, the yeah, pattern yeah, they pray yeah, to yeah. dear the dear saints they yeah. was baptized they were they were killed they die for their yeah, their, yeah, their, yeah. their tradition they baptized just like russia russia was baptized for many many years because they were free but those yeah. people they were slaves they had to accept yeah. it just to stay alive but yeah. they will never accept this religion as their main religion of course why sure. would you they were killed sure. in the name of the god Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why would sure. you love this God? Well, you, of course, of course. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I think that's a big, big, big similarity with Russian mm-hmm. people. And that's mm-hmm. how Russian black magic was born as well. Because you know, they say, you know, uh, church, your enemies will become my friends. And this is how black magic was born. Because people, it was a reaction on okay, the forceful religion. Interesting. Very interesting. A very special talk, I find, and I also like her little accent. I like how you can sense how Natasha really lives the things that she talks just about. That's much more important, of course. So it's time for our musical break now. You remember that Natasha mentioned Baba Yaga early in the interview. Baba Yaga is an extremely complex and interesting figure from the Slavic tradition, a witch, but also sometimes the earth's mother goddess, and sometimes she also looks after the corpses of dead people. Russian composer Modest Mussorgsky has given her music in his pictures as an exhibition. But this time we are not going to hear classical music. But uh, heavy metal transcript of Mussorgsky's famous piece. No, not the one by Emerson, Lake and Palmer. That's only 30 seconds long. But the arrangement we are hearing now is made and performed by the group Omashai. Enjoy.
Oma Shai's version of Modest Mussorgsky's Baba Yaga from Pictures at the Exhibition as an homage to Baba Yaga and Russian witchcraft in general. Back to Natasha now, we still have a lot to talk about. We will pick up again where we left it in the talk about voodoo and that brought us straight to the question of cultural appropriation, a hot topic. Also, we will find out that Russian black magic is not the black magic as we might understand the word in the first place, but it's rather a special kind of left-hand path. And then you will hear what church magic is all about, something I hadn't heard ever before. After the interview, there will, as usual, be our third piece of music, and this is a real traditional Russian Orthodox Church song, one of those that was accepted by the church authorities. It is called We Praise Thee, sung by a Georgian monk's choir. But now, here we go, back to Natasha. But you know that nowadays there is a kind of well, how would, you, how would you call that? There is a kind of a tendency, let's be nice, um, that people talk about, uh, even in magic, in magical circles, that uh, about cultural appropriation, that you as a Westerner, for example, you cannot do Asian practices or the other way around. And, well, you know what I mean. Um, and I personally, I find that very much a pity because because <laughs> it's a it's a loss of energy it's a loss of tradition all on all levels um and if i understand you well you see it a bit in the same way as i do or even mm -hmm. you know, even stronger than that wouldn't you yes because i, I believe this is a simply silly like you say let's be nice <laughs> yeah it's yeah. simply silly i mean <laughs> it's like saving spirit like if somebody is possessed and spirit will come how you know that he's possessed he will talk different languages the languages the person never knew so if you say that this spirit is this person is possessed and he speak only Russian he's not possessed because of course he doesn't know any other language how he will speak but if let's say I want to serve uh, Godness Kali from Buddhism or somebody else, I will just research how it should be done properly because I don't mm -hmm. want to dishonor this Godness exactly. or spirit. Exactly. It's but a it, of respect, exactly. Exactly, but it has yeah. nothing to do that you can practice or not can practice. It's up to you yeah. what you can practice. Yes, because otherwise... Uh, Old, I, I take an example here from Western ceremonial magic because I think many of our listeners know about it and do it and respect it. And uh, if we would apply that that uh, to uh, Western ceremonial magic, that would mean it wouldn't exist anymore today because it was purely created in my part of the world at the beginning. Uh -huh. in, the, in the Middle Ages, it originated all in Prague, Vienna, Berlin, you know, that part uh -huh. of the world. And then it was saved, I say it was saved by the Anglo-Saxon world because it went completely it got completely lost especially during the world wars but even before and the golden dawn tradition that created itself in the uk and uh, the very strong tradition of ceremonial magic in the in the us it's safe ceremonial magic and now we here can still practice it because it happened like that so 
Exactly. I think exactly. Many traditions would have been lost if if it were not allowed, so to speak, um, to to use things that they are not born with you. And a lot of tradition did die because of it, because they didn't pass down, and people, yeah, it's it's, it's a shame. But uh, yeah, all these traditions, like you say, golden down and everything else, does uh, I I consider them organized. Uh, organized um, magic, ceremonial magic, organized witchcraft, whatever. People like uh, labels, so uh, I consider it organized, but I do not believe in organized witchcraft myself because I consider that uh, witchcraft is something very personal. Is is you fall of somebody else's? So let's say somebody invited this magical order, all this uh, ceremonial magic. So this thing worked for him. He put it on the paper. What works for him? He explained. He 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 created a door and he opened yes. this door for himself. Yes, yes. If you follow on him by the rule, by the book, it means you just step on his. Uh, on you his copy. feet, you know? You're, yeah, you copy him. him. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's why I don't believe in organized. You need to create your own door and open your yeah. own door because yeah. the, this yeah. system, they, 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 they can they can become better. It can become different. It need to be it needs to be worked for you, specifically for you. And as you said in the very beginning, magic is part of yourself and not part of uh, tradition. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And if I yeah. do work from somebody else, to me, it's like take his uh, jewelry underwear and wear it, you know. It's, it's <laughs> used. It's not yours. It may not work for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I see a lot of people, you know, they're running all around the war, uh, world and looking for different traditions and they're looking for, oh, maybe this will be stronger or better. Let's me Research mm-hmm. on that. Maybe it will be better than the one I practicing. All day collecting these initiations, but they're not gonna find ever anything because they always were in shoes of somebody else's before them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there is a proverb says is insanity to do insane same thing over and over again and expect different result. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I exactly. Mean. Good point. Good point. Yes, good. Very good point. And something, especially nowadays, we should mention more often. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, but a question which is a bit related to what you were just saying. Um, of course, when we hear about Russian traditions in magic, so to speak, or in witchcraft, um, to many people, what comes to mind is shamanism, because shamanism comes people think partly from Siberia. Uh-huh. I also believe it comes from the whole world, but an important strain comes from sh- Siberia. That's certainly true. And on the other hand, Siberia is not exactly what we are talking about, the East Slavic part of Russia. No. Um, but but is shamanism and the type of witchcraft that you're talking about in any way related or are these two different worlds? No, uh, where shamanism was practicing, is still practicing, is uh, far, far north. Uh, we're more on the south side. So we are, yeah, it, 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 
I don't know if I related to somebody like that, but no, no. It wasn't practicing in our family. Yeah. Yes, it was. It's two different things completely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got, got you. Okay, okay, thank you. That's that's helpful. So in your book, um, and you just said um, people should not only read but practice, of course, but at some point you have to start. And your book about Slavic witchcraft, so the first one we are still talking about, um, it's it's a kind of a grimoire in, in a big part of it, right? You explain a bit the tradition, you explain a lot of the background, but then you start into spells, into rituals, into things to do, right? And to learn. So what what would you like your readers to, to do with that book? Who is your book aimed at and what would you think would be the best use somebody who reads that book and works with that book could make of it? Look, my books, both of them, what I wanted to achieve giving them away is, uh, like I say, magic is personal things of every single one of us. But to be able to go out there and do some stuff on your own, you need to understand the basic why would you take, let's say, this rock or this item to do something? If you don't understand why you're doing that, you won't create magic because you don't know what you're doing. You won't have faith behind what you're doing. You won't know. It's like cooking, cooking soup from the recipe in the book and never try it. Uh, it's, so my books, they give you the taste and the way of thinking for example, the, the, the cemetery magic, the, the basic, why I see that way, why I'm doing that way, or there is a lot of folklore and beliefs and superstitions from the burial process, why it does in certain ways. So if you understand that crossing the, the, the street well, where there is, let's say, that person comes with funeral procession, you can cross the in front of the dead person for this reason, you can create uh, many, many other doors how to use this because you will understand why. So those books, the, my first book is um, more about uh, superstitions and folklore, uh, the, the why. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And somehow, how to, but again, if you don't understand why, it doesn't matter how to. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have to understand the why and yourself first before you can then do the what. I call my first book is warm up to just take an idea uh, where I come from. But the second book, uh, I I love the chapter five and my second book where it explains why you need to think this way, what's going to happen. And it, it, this is think you must read, you must understand. Maybe it wasn't put in the, in the walls that somebody will wish it will be. But if you think about, uh, if, if, you, if you understand it, you got everything you need. You don't need spells. You don't need to follow, organize witchcraft. You can do it yourself because you know why you're doing it. Yes, this part of the book, this uh, chapter five, that's the one that's called Basic Rules and Principles of Magic, right? Yes. 
in the in the second book in the Russian black magic book. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, but um, we just said you have to see the why and to who you are yourself. How in your tradition and how for you personally, if you have not that um, personal background like you have, how should a practitioner who wants to start with this, in your point of view, find out about her or himself? How do you do that in your point of view? Uh, I believe person, he just need to be open to, I mean, if, if you come to witchcraft, you already have open mind, right? I mean, you don't think that using picture to, to work on somebody using picture is, uh, is a nonsense. I mean, you, you understand why you have picture in front of you because it's the energy, is the connection, is the communication, is the power behind it. Uh, just keep an open mind. If you don't have open mind, you you just not in the right place. And a lot of people, when they trying to work with the dead, they they scared or afraid. Again, you are not in the right place. The, the, uh, to, to be very, you can be very sensitive, you know, when you're doing these things. When you're sensitive and powerful, those two words they don't go together. Uh, you you can. I mean, you can be afraid if you call, uh, if you're trying to write on the ground uh, seagull of the demon and call upon to the demon and you're afraid and you don't know if you will poop yourself at the moment. And what are you doing? <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. Absolutely. Um, but um, almost all traditions, uh, classical traditions, mm -hmm. uh, have this the first step that you have to do is to get to know yourself, right? Exactly. Um, um, but would you think that is less important in that tradition because um, it has just to be there? Or uh, how, how do you see that? No, I believe that you first and most important, you should master your own spirit. We all are spirits in the bodies female, male, we are spirits first of all. The body, we just, we, we, we have to live in the body, you know. It's the only place that we're forced to live. Everything else we can choose. <laughs> so we are the spirits. So you need to master your own spirit. You need to control yourself. If you, uh, when you're doing magic on somebody or perform a ritual on somebody, you're trying to master his spirit. If you can master your own, how can you master spirit of somebody else? So you need to know you, yourself. You need to control yourself. You need to... You need to understand your, your, yourself first. So it's that it's that word spirit that 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 defines it in a bit a different way, but it's exactly the same thought, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So now let's finally go to that to the Russian black magic to the to what it actually is. You mentioned <laughs> it two or three times, and I see you're burning to say more about it. And please do, um, um, because I also that was the. After the voodoo bit where, where I was really surprised, what surprised me really very much was your definition of black magic in that context, because it's, it's also very much related to Christianity, of course. Mm -hmm. um, so, but, well, you say, because you, you have the right words for that. Well, the, the, the black magic it called already is based on Christianity, right? Because the church tells you that is bad, so it's bad is black, so black magic. Yes, it's entirely based on Christianity, and like I said before, it born when when it was the, the Christianity was forced to people 
So many people, they couldn't accept that their pagan gods was taken from them. It, 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 somebody come and say, you know, the god you praying is a bad god, is a demon, is very bad. We, we brought you the new god, so pray to this god. Of course, not many people accepted it. So people who couldn't accept it, they called old believers. So they just start, they continue praying to their gods, but they are also at the enemy of the church as their friends. So they become blasphemers, okay. as church they call. Um, so that, do I understand you well that Russian black magic, as you define it here, um, has nothing to do with what we often call black magic, so to speak, apply magic in order to get your personal benefit out of it or to harm somebody, even worse than that. Oh, so no, that's, no. that's not at all what is meant. I want no, to make that no. very clear because one could be misled at first sight by, by the title, right? Um, oh. so black magic in what you're speaking here is the a bit what what maybe others call the left hand path would that yes good? yes, yes. Less, a left hand path yes black and white magic when people say about that actually that makes me laugh because uh, like mm -hmm. i say there is no good or bad there yeah, we exactly. have day and night the, 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 it has yeah. to be balanced if you do yeah, only yeah, good exactly. you will be sick if you do only yeah, bad yeah. you will, will be sick you need Absolutely. to balance things Absolutely. I mean, you need to do good and you need to do bad. You need to have access to both worlds as well. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. it's, you have to balance things. You have to jungle with all these things. It's, it's not good or bad. But black magic, because it's called, yes, because it's called from, like I talk about hell icons in my book. Hell icons, they are existed and exist. It's, um, it's, it's, it's simply everyone can Google it. So, um The, on icons, they can create something like evil, evil presented by church. So some guy with horns and demons and how church presented Satan or evil. And on the top, they cover it up with Jesus Christ and saints. And so when somebody, a black magic practitioner in in my area, I was practicing like my grandma, my father's mother, she has this big icon uh, iconography in her house, a huge one. So she was praying to this iconography. After she died, we discovered that this was a hell icon and she was praying to it. So this is, but I believe the, the, this tradition was created as, as an action to the forced baptism. Uh, but they mix both. They mix Paganism, they mix Christianity, uh, they mix some Western culture, occultism, uh, because they, 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 Finland, Norway is, is, is very close, is uh, Germany, all that was mixed up with it, inside it, so. Okay. Um, but uh, when I see the, the chapter titles of that, of the spell work part, so also this book, to make it very clear, just like the other ones, Slavic Witchcraft has a very uh, large or ma majority of the book is um, practical section, so to speak, right? With spells uh -huh. and with, with uh, rituals. And we have here titles like um, Blood Magic or Pact with the Devil or uh, Spirits, uh, Spells of Evil. But then... 
for me, two things stand out. One being cemetery spells mm. uh, and even more so the church spells because that's something very unusual. I mean, cemetery spells I have come across in other traditions, but church spells with that name, name I read that. Yeah. So can can you tell us more about those two? What what do you understand by them and where they come from and what they are? Oh yeah, I love them. It's um, we call the church. We call the place uh, place of power. I don't know if that has any meaning to you in in, in your place of power. So. because first of all, in church there is ceremonial magic performed on everyday basis. As I say, I see it as as ceremonial magic. I mean. Uh, second is uh, you make you make bad spirits again bad spirits well uh, we, we like labels so bad spirits you can you, you can feed with uh, with attention you don't have to do blood sacrifice to this specific demon but maybe specific demon he will enjoy more if you let's say post in the newspaper uh, I think Asmodeus for this this and that mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, they have turned yeah. modern as well right? <laughs> yes and like million, millions of people will read his name Mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. honor to him so he gets the energy he will appreciate that more than just killing a goat for mm-hmm. him you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh, the church when you go into church and you serve the bad spirit inside of the god's place he gets this energy it's like it's, it's, it's powerful energy you give it to him because you basically you uh, blasphemers you know you 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 humiliate the God, you humiliate the Jesus, you humiliate all the good in the name of the bad. So you get big power there. You can, uh, people going in Arthur's Christian church, let's say, for example, they, they take the candle, they put candle for the uh, health of somebody to, uh, they pray and they pray for the health. There is on the left side for the health and on the right side of the altar, you put the candle for diseased people. Uh, rest in peace so what we can do we can go we can take the candle like for the living person you break the candle in half you turn candle upside down you go into the right side where you put candles only for the diseased you put the candle upside down you light it in the name of the disease you say in person and you call the name of the living person and you say until this candle will burn down so this person will get sick day by day and die that quick so you chant in there you send your stuff there but you pray to specific demon in the house of the god is is maybe everything is maybe <laughs> if you if you remove all these names and labels and church and everything it makes you powerful just to believe you there is you know if you if you remove all this God Christianity and everything, but your own faith, it will possess so much energy that you believe you're doing what you're doing. Right, 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 right. Absolutely, and 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 as the place is 
loaded with energy through the ceremonial mm -hmm. magic that normally is practiced there. Yeah, uh, every the, day. The energy is there. Right, mm -hmm. uh, right. right. Um, I, I, I must, uh, to be honest, I, I don't have that in my mind now what you say about that in your book, but one of the chapters is called uh, The Three Forces, the Soul and Satanism. And what you were just saying uh, sometimes, partly, not completely, but reminds me a bit of what traditional Satanism in the Western tradition is. Would you also relate to that? No. Uh, yeah, actually, this chapter, the, it wasn't supposed to be in this book. And okay. it's kind of like, yeah, the, I, I tried to remove it, but they wanted to mm. put it in. So it, right. it, 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 it doesn't match in this book, but they still wanted to put it and publish it. So that's fine. Sure. So I talk about Satanism, but not Satanism, uh, the Lave Satanism. I talk no, about sure. no, no. yeah. I talk about I mean satanism. traditional satanism, right? Right? Yeah. 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 I, I talk yeah. about satanism as a, a point view uh, of the world. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I explain and I explain there that uh, Satan he got expelled the Satan because he was rebel because he mm -hmm. wanted to deliver knowledge to the people. So he was expelled. Right. We right. won't go to Freemasonry now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, of course. Yeah. Well, we have gone all the traditions inside. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. basically, uh, he did, the God didn't want people to have a free will. And that's why we say that we are sheep and he's our shepherd, the God. But Satan didn't want, so he wanted to deliver knowledge to the people for which he was expelled. Satan, they say their science and church, they don't go together because they say science is satanic, is something demonic, is evil, is bad, medicine is bad. Everything that has to do with science is bad, so it's satanic. So if you want to have sex, you evil, if you want to have, you need to have sex only with your wife and only when you want to make a child by the gods. So when you ha you want to have fun, you are evil. If you're taking drugs, you are evil. If you want to travel, you are evil. If you have thoughts in your mind that you want to do something, you are evil. And evil is satanic. This is Satan. This is the Satanism I'm talking about. Exactly. Right. It's the free okay. will. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the opposite of free will, basically. Yeah, yeah, no, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Got you, got you. Okay, understood, understood. Very interesting. Now you have seen, um, Natasha. You have seen so many different traditions. A by your biography, because you you lived in so different parts of of the and world. cultures uh, and cultures. And now, as you said, you're even traveling a lot still. Uh, also, in, I experienced it because. I had to catch up with you where you were to do this interview. Um, so um, this experience of traveling along and seeing different cultures nowadays, also in, in the 21st uh -huh. century, uh, how did that in any way change your appreciation or your, your views on, on your tradition or on the contrary? What, what, did, what did that create in you? Uh, well, I, you, I always keep everything for myself. I am solo in everything. I don't like, like I said, I don't like organized and things, occult, witchcraft, whatever that is. But what is today the changes I could say that people just become ridiculous? I mean, they, uh, it's, it's just so much lies and 
so much nonsense and so much uh, movie thing that is very few occultists, serious occultists out there, very few people. And I believe that all the serious people, they are for themselves. They, you can find them, you can, you, can, you can meet them because, I mean, even for me, it's, it's, it's very new all that. It's, I, can, I still can use to it all this uh, going public and talk about all those things. And it's, it's kind of weird, you know. Of course, I won't say everything. I won't show everything. And, but, yeah, the world has just become like one Hollywood movie. Yeah, and we have to play our roles in it. (laughs) Are you are you teaching? Are you giving classes? Yeah, I did uh, last year. I did that only summertime because I take my uh, clients to cemeteries and to rivers and the forests. So it has to be summertime only, as we have a lot of snow here in Pacific Northwest. But now I think I will stop doing things like that. I offer online training. Uh, which is video training, but again, I prefer in person, of course, because some things you just, you just can't focus on something, having a camera recording you, you know, that's crazy. Yeah, no, I understand what you mean. But in any case, what I will do, I will, of course, put your website also in the show notes of this, of this episode. And so people who want to know more about that and want to know more about you as well, they should go there and, and, and check not only your two books, but also your, but also your website and what you're, what you're doing beyond that. And um, talking about your two books, in the very beginning of this talk, you mentioned that you were at the moment working on a third book that born in a family of witches, I think it was. Yes. Old, right um can you tell us a bit about that and also approximately when we should expect that to appear this will be more probably autobiography i will explain uh, explain i will talk about myself about my sister my mother about my father as he was a boy in the family of witches what happened uh, when boy is born what gonna happen to to a boy uh, I will talk about how black magic was practiced on us. Uh, we was kind of victims of <laughs> black magic of my grandmas. Uh, there will be uh, several interesting parts, but hopefully this year, probably mm-hmm. summer. Right. Right. Sounds very interesting. Um, And uh, would you see this as a sequel, even though it's biography, I understand that. But uh, I get the impression that, uh, like you say just now, one will probably understand your biography better if one has read at least the the, the first parts of your two books uh, about the whole background. Or do I, do I, am I? Some people... Maybe some people who read uh, who read both of my books and could go through it because it is very new information for a lot of people is a new information because you can usually people write in a cool books they write in on books already existed in the past so they just rewrite it and rewrite it adding things and removing things but those things I believe because. There are a lot of books in, in, in Russian on such a subject, but 
I didn't find water in the English translation, no, so I wanted, to, but no, I, I wanted to add my, my point of view and my own experience to it. So mm-hmm. I believe people who will read my biography, they will understand uh, a lot of other things that they couldn't understand in my first two books. Right. Right. Very interesting. That, that was a bit my, my last question that I have. Um, how is it today in uh, the part of the world that you come from in Russia, in Ukraine? How is that tradition rooted today? Is it still as active as at the time when you were born and a child? Uh, do you know about that? Or has a lot changed through the changes that have happened since 89? Or how, how is it today? I haven't been to Russia probably over 15, 16 years, but from what I hear, yes, but again, you, you won't find those people. You need, if you want serious people like my mother was, like my grandmother was, you need to go to these rural areas, which is population 100, 200 people at the max, and that's where it's still practicing in the, in the primitive ways, because what you want is the primitive way, those old ladies that they are 19 years old, an old village, they know who she is, but if you stop on there, on there, there is expeditions. So you can you can go and find people like that. But yeah, you need to know where you're going. You can't find just like that. And people won't tell. People won't tell because they know that you will leave, but they will still there. So she will know exactly. that you say it. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, no, that's true. And good for them. I mean, they did the right thing if it's like that. Yeah. 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 They they yeah. they protecting them. It's like you know, a pagans when they leave this this tribe, let's say, and they have this person in pagan time that uh, tell them the future. Uh, That's how it is still in villages. When you have the witch, you you protect her, you take care of her because she will tell you what you need to expect, how you need to take care of your things. So they bring her, like to my mother, they bring... uh, uh, small cows, they bring some goats, they bring some meat, some cheese, something, you know, a little bit here because money, nobody has money back then, but they brought food, they brought clothes, they brought mm-hmm. things that they mm-hmm. could, you know, take care of her. Yeah. And, and that's, that's maybe a point where it is very similar to shamanism because also the shaman of the village was always protected and right. uh, helped by its, by its village. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, Natasha, thank you so much. This was a wonderful talk and it opened the door into a really fascinating world that I am sure, like me, many of our audience um, don't know much about, maybe a little bit uh, because they are interested and curious, but not much. And you really gave us some insight um, a little peek. I really am very much looking forward to um, getting that new book that you were talking about, about your biography. I'm sure I, I will make sure to read that. But at the, uh, in the meantime, everybody who has not yet gotten hold of your two existing books at the moment, um, they should because it's not uh, for the practical part and for the explaining part. I think they are both really fascinating Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for Thank you. Uh, opening up that world for us a little bit and yourself. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.
aren't those voices just amazing? I really go for them. Those Georgian monks were singing the traditional Orthodox Church choral, We Praise Thee. So, many new things we've learned from Natasha in that interview, don't you think so? In any case, I think it is always worse and necessary to find out what other cultures do with their magic and their mysticism, their occult work. Let's always be curious, open-minded and interested in others. This was episode one of season four of the Thoth Hermes podcast. But now I also have to tell you what will be next here on Thoth Hermes. Next Sunday on January 12th, our interview guest in episode two will be United Kingdom Masonic scholar and historian Dr. David Harrison. David has written six books on the history of Freemasonry, numerous articles and papers. He has appeared on TV and radio with his expertise, and we are lucky to have him here. We are going to talk about a lot of topics from his huge knowledge source in the field of Freemasonry. This is going to be both exciting and instructive. So come back next week and bring some friends. For today, I would like to thank you for having been with us. Spread the word, think about becoming a patron and, well, don't only think about it, just do it. Okay, take care, stay tuned, hear you soon.